Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are back, guys. It's been a minute. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a minute, but it's episode 12. Sonia, how are you? Wow. It didn't seem like so much time has gone by. I am okay. I've just been a little busy here. Uh, we are in Atlanta, Georgia, where those that don't know, we're having a big uh, runoff race in our Senate. And our race in Georgia was extremely close. So we are now having a runoff race for our two Senate seats. And I've been working on yes. that. <laughs> that is why, precisely why we have not done an episode in so long. Um, we have been pretty busy um, working on Senate race stuff. And as some of you may or may not know, um, Andrew Yang, on whose presidential campaign I worked, um, he came into town and was in Atlanta and has been in Atlanta. And so um, I've been busy um, kind of helping out the team and doing similar things than what I was doing on the campaign. So yeah, we've been busy. And Sonia, you've been doing a lot, a lot to get the vote out here in Georgia. Um, like you said, um, this is a race that's going to determine whether we have um, a Senate that is mostly Republican or a Senate that is 50-50 um, evenly balanced, which would give the presidential, the president or the vice president, the kind of um, uh, tie-breaking vote. Uh, so there's a lot at stake here. Absolutely. So really, it's the whole world is kind of descended here on Georgia. And I just have to do a shout out for those that don't know that Lacey is the one that got me involved with <laughs> Political side of things because when she went to work on Andrew Yang's campaign, she was a big volunteer before she actually was employed by the campaign. And she, she motivated a lot of people in our um, area here in Atlanta that are still carrying on this tradition of, you know, grassroots um, work. And it's, it's fun. It can be uh, exhausting, but it's a good time. We met a lot yeah. of cool people. Uh, we're just trying to make a difference. Yeah, you guys have been working hard and super appreciate everything you're doing. Um, and thanks for the shout out. It is fun. It's hard work. Uh, it can tend to become like a humongous part of your life. Um, but it's awesome. You get to connect with great people and it's for a good cause. So it's wonderful to know that yeah. that's still happening, you know, with with you and with the group of folks here in Atlanta. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I would say to people, it kind of ties into our podcast because I think part of rethinking humanity is actually making a difference even locally, like just small actions that you can take. Right. Um, mm. I don't think that we realize how our individual acts every day can change lives, whether it's something mm. as, being kind or getting politically involved or I don't know just reaching out and I think it goes back to what Lacey and I have talked a lot about as community yeah yeah and I mean I definitely agree that on an individual level we can make much more of an impact um, than we realize 
And so, in fact, there's definitely arguments for that being the most effective way for us to see widespread change um, is is actually starting with the individual first. So, um, and I and as we've talked about on the podcast before, I believe that uh, that really only happens within a good, supportive community of people because we're human beings. We're social creatures. We were not made to do anything alone, and we don't really do anything alone. Sure. Yeah, I, that's absolutely true. And you you get that motivation when you are in a group of people that support you and mm-hmm. um, have your, you know, the same values and you know that you can count on them. And that's what we're trying to build, I think, by by reaching out to others and pursuing similar goals. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that that is the, the probably the main desire of a human being is just to connect with other people. And it's, it's not a, like a very uh, addictive, like high almost feeling when you work together with people towards a common goal, and you are there to support each other. It's just this, it's a, it feels so good. And I think it's because it's just such a natural part of who we are as a species. Yeah, I think that's a good point that we were made. We weren't made to be alone. And if you think about getting up every day and you're just going through the same stuff over and over, how, you know, that that can be kind of, um, I guess, deadening or just make you feel like you're just, just going through life, one putting one foot in front of the other. So I yeah. think the idea of collective energy and being connected is huge. I think it does make a difference in your life yeah. and in those around you. Yeah, absolutely. So we are hopeful um, to see that 50-50 be the outcome of the um, this runoff, which will take place on January the 5th. I believe so many of you already voted um, in that. I'm yeah. still due to. Uh, but the last we spoke to you guys, um, it was the day before the election, I believe, or the day of the election, the presidential. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. I know it's been it's been a crazy ride. It really has. But I'm glad we're uh, we're here again talking to everybody. Yes, here we are. Um, before we get into our next chapter um, with uh, Eric Fromm's uh, Tavern to be, I do want to share about a particular um, doctor that I have learned about recently and watch some of his videos on uh, YouTube that I feel like really is in the same vein um, of what we talk about on the podcast and really of Rome. His name is um, Dr. Gabor Mate, and um, he is actually a, um, a medical doctor, but um, made the switch at a certain point to really study more about psychology and um, kind of how we how we work together and also addiction is um, a big part of what he studies. Um, but he has some has like some really interesting um, stuff that he's put out and one of the videos, I'll put some links in the um, in the um, show notes, but um, one of the videos he talks about why we are so, unhappy. And he says, he actually quotes Karl Marx, who talks about the four alienations, which Fromm talks about these same alienations 
you, if you've been listening to the podcast, you might, this might sound familiar to you, but he talks about the alienation from nature, from others, from our work and from ourselves. And that is all because um, we've really, because of how we've changed and how we've evolved as far as the, um, the economy and industrialism, how that's all happened. And it's really separated us from ourselves and from each other. And so there's just some great stuff that he's talked about. And I know I've shared some of that with Sonia and I think she's a, she's become a fan as well. Oh, definitely. Um, I absolutely love listening to him, Lacey. Um, what resonated with me that he talked a lot about was how the mind and the body are inseparable and the stress that I guess modern day life, he does talk about capitalism, mm -hmm. how we live, um, how we uh, worship being workaholics that we well know. And therefore yeah. that really breaks us down both physically and emotionally and our environment um, definitely affects us. It affects, like he talks about, the biology of human beings is shaped by the psychological and social environment of which they live. And it's powerful stuff because um, he does talk about how these this lifestyle actually, you know, with the stress brings disease into our lives. And I think it's just this idea that we've talked a lot about on the podcast because there's this economic necessity to, mm. you know, and to pay your rent and food, et cetera. And at the same time, when you leave, you know, if you're not working, you have the stress. And then when you're working, you have the stress. So it's right. really an interesting um, concept that I think is very basic, but we kind of, we're like stuck in, we're like the frog in the boiling water. How do you get out of that? Right? Yes. Yes. It's true. There, There is that clash of like, the need, you, you know, we need to eat, we need to live. Um, if we're not working, there's a stress that goes along with that. If we are working, if we're making a, enough money to actually be comfortable, we're really stressed out, generally speaking. Right. And so it's this thing that we can't get away from it. And we've started to value, um, you know, the that lifestyle, the lifestyle of stress, the lifestyle that causes sickness, mm -hmm. obesity, and diseases, which yeah. is where industrialism is like in the center and in demand. It demands us to live a certain way, but who cares about our health along the way? Right. Uh, that system rewards us for undermining the health of ourselves and our family, which is unbelievable, you know? Um, yeah. The other I wanted to bring up that you and I, I know really agree on is how the best way to raise a child is the hunter gatherer village where um, there's always like more than one adult around. And we don't have that opportunity in our world where each person you're kind of living isolated as we've talked about a lot. I think that's mm. huge. Then that, that cycle continues when the child grows up, they're going to repeat the cycle, right? Of getting out there in the workforce, making a bunch of money, being yep. the workaholic, you know, leaving home. It's just this continuous uh, cycle. Yes, I agree with that. And another thing that he says that I think is fascinating and being someone who works with kids, I would say a hundred percent agree with this and have experienced it. But he says, 
that the number one thing that a kid needs is just you to be present with them. That's what they want and that's what they need. They need you to be there, to be present and to be able for them to know that you are there and you're feeling, you're empathetic with them. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason why kids get so dissociated from themselves and we all get so dissociated from ourselves as we grow and separated from listening to ourselves and our gut instinct is because our parents are too busy to give us that. And so what we have to do is adjust ourselves to appease them because without that safety from them, we're, what are we? We're dependent children. We have to have them. And so that, that, that part has fascinated me as well. Yeah, I think you're right about the presence of the caregivers and and there's trauma that people experience, you know, when they're young. And of course, you carry that trauma with you into your adulthood. So the issues that you are having as you're older relates back to that early emotional loss. And I mean, there's just example after example of that. Right. And and um, fill that hole, the abandonment and that loss with all these other things that we know the world, um, the world we live in offers, but it does not uh, take care of that hole that we feel of the loss of the parent, as you're saying, of the parent being physically be present, but not emotionally present. Right. And, and this goes back to the hunter gatherer societies, but basically whether it's hunter gatherer, whatever we were, would be able to obviously adjust to hunter gatherer doesn't make sense. We're not living like that anymore, but community communal living, basically there's more chances for the child to have a present adult (laughs) when there's multiple parents, adults. But we don't live in a culture. I think that values like with no maternity leave, no paternity leave. We don't, you know, the both Lacey and I, we probably talked about on the podcast, believe in basic income universal mm. basic health care, all the things necessary for the parent to be there. And we don't yeah. value, we don't have any of those in our society. So it makes the individual have to go out there and work and sacrifice the family, basically. And sacrifice the health of themselves and their Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. Yes. Woo. Love that guy, Dr. Mate. <laughs> yeah. So I want to keep, I love him and I, um, encourage everyone to go out and listen to him because he's got a lot of good things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Check him out. We'll put some links in the, um, in the show notes. Cool. So we're going to shift into, um, continuing Eric Fromm's to have or to be, we are almost done with this book, which is crazy for me to think. Sonia, we've almost been doing the podcast for a year now. April will be a year, which is crazy. So, um, so that's insane, but just so you guys know, we're going to skip over to chapter eight um, and we're going to uh, that chapter seven is something that we may come back to. But we're going to go on to chapter eight for this episode. Um, chapter eight is called um, Conditions for Human Change and the Features of the New Man. And so we've kind of transitioned from um, the book kind of giving us the reasons why we need uh, to move to uh, the being mode of existence to part three, where he talks about what we need in order to make this shift happen. And so that's basically what this chapter is about. So he opens by saying, assuming that that he's right and this premise is right, 
is that the change that there has to be a change in character in the individual human being in order for us to shift to a societal being mode. Um, the question arises, is this, a, is this like possible? Is large scale, large scale characterological change possible? And if so, how? And so uh, in the, the discussion of this, he brings up four um, conditions that have to exist and they actually mirror the four noble truths from um, Buddhism. Yes. So Sonia, I'll stop right there and let you kind of speak. If you want to read these, you totally can. However, you want to continue this section, continue this conversation here. Okay. I apologize. Actually, I don't have it in front of me. You want to read it? Sure, I'll read it. it. Okay. So the four things he says, we are suffering. The first thing we have to realize is that we are suffering and we have to be aware that we're suffering. Number one. Number two, we have to recognize what is the origin of our ill-being, why we're suffering, basically. Then number three, we have to recognize that there is a way to overcome the ill-being. The and number four, we have to accept that in order to overcome the ill-being, we must follow certain norms for living and change our present practice of life. And so he points out that these four noble truths um, th these four points correspond to the four noble truths that form the basis of the Buddha's teaching. Um, in dealing with human existence, not necessarily individual life, um, but so he's saying, I, I think, you know, he's done some studies around Buddhism in the past and kind of makes that correlation. Right. So I remember this and I thought what was really important was the first one that we are suffering. I think that recognition, how he talks about, is is essential. And what it reminded me of is also from an individual perspective, you know, when one is, uh, say you're depressed or you're going through a hard time, part of that, um, say, irrelevant if, if you're in therapy or not, is you first have to recognize, right, that you're suffering to be able to move to the next step. And so yeah. I thought that was very interesting because it's it's – equivalent to saying, you know, I am in pain or I am in a bad place until that huh. statement is made, you can't move forward. Because right. Then there's a, there's a denial. And so this is mm. what I love about what he's saying is that, I mean, how do you overcome something until you accept that you have a, a problem? Right. I mean, you can't solve a problem that you don't know exists. You have to, to affirm or recognize that there's an issue first. Right. And, and what I also find interesting, I'm going to make a parallel to what we're going through in society with COVID. Um, it's really sort of pulled back the curtain on a lot of issues that society has. Right. And it's as painful as it's been, people have had to take notice. Wow. Something's got to change. And so it's mm. almost like the very heart of humanity that you have to say, you know, we're broken and there's some things that have got to that, that really we can't, we can't continue on like this because this is not the right path. We, we yeah. live. It's like right. death, death is here. It, it also makes me think about how common it is to want to kind of sweep things under the rug and not recognize issues when they come about. Somehow it feels like in our society, it's just, easier to do that and 
more convenient. And the problem with that is you just can't progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it is easy. And I think it's also people feel safer because there's a fear of actually looking at the reality. If you have to admit, you know, this is bad, um, yeah. then, then you have to do something about it. If you can, if you can sweep it under the rug, like you're saying, you can kind of continue on that path of, I'm going to ignore this problem, but that's, you know, essentially that's not, that's not the solution is what yeah. he is. Um, right. Well, what's cool about this too, is he draws some lines and similarities to, um, with those four, uh, points to also Marks, who mm -hmm. he says his main goal, um, was not communism, but it was a step in the historical development, which was to liberate human beings from the socioeconomic and political conditions that make people inhuman, um, becoming a, a thing, basically, um, what Frome mm -hmm. said. Um, prisoners of things, prisoners of machines and their own greed. So for him, the first step was similar to this first step is to show um, that the working class of his time were suffering. They had to see that. And then secondly, um, to show the causes of the suffering. And so, um, you know, it's, it, the point is, is that, he, that he follows the same four point passageway. And then he goes to Freud and talks about how Freud does a similar thing and how our, uh, psycho psychoanalysis nowadays, if you go see a therapist, you go see mm -hmm. a therapist because you know you're suffering, but you don't right. really know why. And if you don't know you're suffering, yeah, probably not going to go see a therapist. Right. Exactly. Right. The other thing that came to my mind when I first read this, and I, I don't know if I even ever discussed it with you, but it's something that just stayed in my head. So one of the challenges I see here is when you know you're suffering as an individual or as, as a community, I think the hard part for me is the part of ways to overcome because I could see how you could feel really despondent and almost sad, like, okay, I know I'm suffering. I know there's these problems, but how, how are we going to overcome them? Mm -hmm. Because that, that to me is, is the challenge is having those ways to overcome. And I think right. that's why a lot of people stay in that denial phase because mm. how, okay. It's like, yeah, mm. I see the, problem. what am I going to do to fix it? You know, there's wow. that, that, that's that's something that, that's really just stuck with me when I read it. That's really good. I mean, that's almost that's a very good point. I think it's true. I mean, that's kind of number three. And yeah. if you don't know number three, then you're less willing to to admit to number one. You know, number three is we recognize there's a way of overcoming our ill being, you know. Right. And I, I know that I've grown a ton over the last four or five years personally. And part of what's helped me be willing to face things, um, my own suffering and certain things that are areas where I could grow was knowing number one, that I'm not, that's like, it's not my fault. And it's like, you know, it's just a, it's part of being a human being that we're going to have suffering and there's going to be areas where we can grow. And so that normalizing it, number one, and then number two, knowing that there's a way to overcome it. And so I think you're right. Without that, that's a really hard place to be. It's hard to take that on if you don't know that there's a way out. 
Right. And then you think of in his um, response here is, is you're talking about a whole, you're talking about society. So this is going back to the community where you really need to have a support system of being able to overcome, you know, a, a way of life. And, and I think you and I have talked about it too, that it's hard to be, I think we, I'm trying to think if where I read this, but I know I brought it up to you that, oh, mm -hmm. it's in, I'm always reading a different book, um, that it's difficult to be, if you're, you need to be in a society that supports like your values to be yes. able to move. Remember yes. This? Yes. I totally do. What's this book called? It's something habits, right? Oh, atomic habits. Yeah. Atomic yes. habits. Yeah. And there was a section, which I don't want to get off on a tangent, but that resonated with me about how to really achieve certain things that you're trying to achieve. You have to be in an environment that allows you to do that. And I thought, well, that makes sense because you being a lone individual trying to do it, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's definitely more challenging. Yeah. That was liberating to me because I have had that thought for a long, long time now. Like, you know, I know that my personal values and the values of our country really don't match up very well together. Um, and so I've I've really thought, like, I think I can thrive and and be more um, alive in a in a culture that really um, fits my values that has similar values. And I mean, that's what Fromm talks about here, right? But hearing it mm -hmm. in that way and from that book was really, really affirming to me, like, yeah, you can get a lot more, you, you can get a lot more enjoyment and a lot more genuine experience out of life when you're in a situation where like your values are matching with your culture and society as an individual. Right. So yeah. what do you think, um, because from up, how do you think you start to shift a society as opposed to just an individual or a small group of individual, what do you think steps would be to move towards that? Yeah. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. What? He lists some, some aspects of that, but I'm curious, what do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, um, there's a debate of whether it has to start on an individual level um, or whether it can be, you know, a leader of a group can do it. Um, and I think it's probably a mixture of a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't like the idea that it would be very like behavioral. And when I say that, I mean like external, but like I do like a mandate. You have to do this. <laughs> right. No, I don't like that. Exactly. But also that it could be like, I, that it could be like incentive driven, yeah. but I also yeah. think being incentive driven can help and can, can work. And I think there are people who, maybe haven't ever had the experience to to have a foundation to know that it's worth trying. It's worth working towards the being mode. They maybe don't have any reference point for what that is and what it feels like and what that it is worth it. And so I think it's got to be a little bit of a mixture of the individual and the um, the kind of like an external cultural help to push in that direction. Yeah, I think that's a good mm -hmm. answer. Because what's interesting is, is say someone like yourself or myself, we're sort of open to those ideas, right? 
However, there are people that would have maybe fear or, you know, they, they don't want to go away from the norm of the way they're used to living, even if that's not a good way. So it seems like yeah. there should be some incentive or some for them to feel safe to go a different sort of path than mm. what that than what capitalist societies always told them, you know, this is the way you need to be. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I'm a huge advocate for basic income as well, because I think one of the biggest ways that we can empower people to come to this to the being mode is by giving them the time and space to do so. Right. And if they're too busy, number one, number one, if they're too busy, stressed out, trying to pay bills and feed themselves, they're not going to come to that place because you have to have time and space. Um, but uh, it, it's just, it's necessary to have time and resources and people around you to come to a place where you go, I really would much rather be present in the moment right now with this child and just be here and enjoy the sunshine and the mountains instead of mm -hmm. like running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get 8 million things done today. Yeah. And I think you make an excellent point, Lacey, because if you have this discussion with someone, a lot of people are just in the survival mode, right? They don't have time to even think about this. They're, what are you talking about? I just have to get up tomorrow and go to work or finish my tasks. So mm -hmm. the idea of having being liberated and having that basic income and, and having less stress and worry about your basic needs is huge. Yeah. It gives you, a, you know, you can breathe, you can read a book, you can drink a cup of coffee. We're talking about simple things here. We're not talking about, you know, living extravagantly. Yeah. We're talking about very basic human things, sitting there and yeah. watching the sunset, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think we both learned this during the, the pandemic. And I mean, maybe um, a lot of people did, but I know that one thing I've learned is that I don't, don't know who I am until I have certain experiences. And then I learn about myself and about what I like and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at without by those experiences. And so, um, so for example, let's say that I'm actually a very good artist. I can actually paint really well, but I've never had time to be, to paint because I'm mm. running around trying to go to work 40 hours, 80 hours, a week, whatever. And that's something that I did during the pandemic, during the lockdown. And I'm not a good painter but it's just an example. Okay. That the point is, is that until you have the opportunity, the time, the space, the resources to do things, to try things, you can't learn about yourself and know, and maybe you're like the best painter and you're going to paint this amazing thing. And you're like the next Renoir or something, but you can't be because you're suppressed and depressed by the current state of our society and how it demands you to do you know, be on the leash to time and work and stress and right. blah, blah, blah. Right. And, you know, on that same note, I think also people have lost the ability to have even like their hobbies, right? Because a lot of people, there are things that they enjoy doing. It might be gardening. It might be singing, but they're like, I don't have time to do that. And that really fulfills you as a human being. And when you have that time, then you come back refreshed to whatever, to whatever else you're doing in your life. And when we, lose that we lose ourselves we're just sort of this empty 
walking around and then you have to ask yourself well what's the purpose of this yeah you know, and going back to from's um discussion of sort of being this machine yeah there doesn't seem value in being in in the ways that you can you could be um there's just so many things like you're saying whether it's painting music art it could be even just designing something maybe you have like an architectural bent and you like to or, or learning a new skill we we don't have that opportunity in the lives that we lead because yeah. we're just too busy getting from one task to the to the next yeah we're not in that way it doesn't feel like we're living you know we're just like go 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 it's like autopilot automaton as as from says yeah and i was gonna say i was thinking how i know we've discussed the the nucleus um or the nuclear family rather and how mm -hmm. important it is for the parent to be present the other part of this, I would say, is in society as a whole, if you are running around being busy, you don't have time to be kind to one another. You don't have even time to care about your neighbor to stop and say, hey, how are you? Or maybe it's an elderly person that, you know, you want to go buy help buy their groceries or do an errand for them. Who who can do that when they're right. just trying to get through each day? Yeah. So there, there, I think we lose our humanity. Yes. Dehumanizing 100 um, percent just further uh, propagates isolation, which is unhealthy. It's unhealthy for us. And again, Dr. Mate says that these emotional um, disturbances or irregularities or these things that we do that are not natural for us emotionally cause us to get sick. And so mm -hmm. yeah, you can Google it. You could, it's linked. Loneliness and sickness are linked together and we isolate ourselves so much in, in our culture. Um, and so I think it's not surprising that we're seeing those results. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure we could share stories, but I actually have personal anecdotes where I've been so stressed that literally, and I have, think I have a pretty decent immune system, but literally I've been so stressed that I will get physically sick. Just because the stress, and I, I and I can tie it to that. I'm like, oh yeah, this event and this event happened, and guess what? Then the next day I came down with a cold or the flu yep. or something. Yeah. That happened because of the level of stress that we put our bodies under. Yes, and I believe that folks who don't see that in a more immediate way, unfortunately, end up seeing it in a more of a long term terminal illness kind of a way where it just all comes crashing down on them at some point. Um, because it's, it, it seems like, you know, you can get away with it, but you can't no. get away with missing your physical body in a way and, and not paying consequences for it. Do you see what right. I'm saying? No, I totally get it. And the crazy thing, I know I've told you this story before. It's like one day the light bulb went off in my, my head and I thought, I am not going to die because I, you know, I'm like, okay, so even if I have a big bank account, but I'm like, you know, super sick in the hospital, how is that going to help me if I'm not going to be in the planet tomorrow? <laughs> so I realized, I realized like, if I'm feeling this bad, then I need like time out. I don't care. You know, I'm going to take care of myself. And I think that's kind of a radical concept because I do remember a time in life where it was like, go, 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 go you know, fill up that calendar as much as you can achieve, achieve, achieve. But yeah. then you have to step. So why am I doing this? And where am I going with this? What's yeah. 
Well, and if the ultimate goal is you're going to be sick, it makes no sense. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm very. Go ahead, son. Sorry. I said it's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why long term health is one of my own personal goals, you know, and the more I focus on that, the more I'm seeing, oh, that doesn't do well for my long-term health. Oh, that's not good for my long-term health, you know? I mean, we do kind of put people on a pedestal that are these high achievers, right? And here's the thing that I realize I've learned as time has gone by. I really admire people today. Yes, that they're able to accomplish things in their life. But when when I hear that they take care of themselves, I, I now see, well, that's a better person to govern or that's a better person to lead or that's a better person to do whatever. Because you know, if that individual is taking care of themselves, then they're living, how can I put it? They're living in reality, not in this unachievable, mm. uh, you know, unattainable goal that, none of us should be trying to kill ourselves to, to get. To wow. that I love that. That's so true. That's so true because we just get into the, we're in the pattern of just like do all this stuff, do it, do it, do it, do it all. And then the reality of, a, Oh yeah, we need to take care of ourselves gets lost. And so then the, the standard for everyone becomes you don't take care of yourself. And then, where are we as a society? We're an unhealthy bunch of people. Right. And you know, I mean, I'm just generalizing, but sometimes there's the memoirs where someone says, I thought I was doing all the right thing. And then they hit that wall, which something happens in their life that makes them stop in their tracks and say, I have to change, you know, illness Mm -hmm. or, you know, unfortunately something, something, a turning point. And I think that, we need to send a different message to the, to the youth too, Mm. of what is a good human being. And, and part of that is taking care of yourself, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think shifting to the new man, well, as Frome calls it, the new man, the man who is oriented towards the being mode of existence um, is a good model for, for young people, because I think it's going to bring us back to our humanity in a way that we really want to come to. And that's how he actually closes out this chapter. He lists 21 um, elements of like the character structure of the new man. Like basically it's, that sounds so like controversial in a lot of ways. I hate the way he phrased it, the new man, but basically the being man, the man who orients himself or herself from the being mode of existence. Right. I, yeah, he, I love that list. It's, it's so extensive. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't know what other word he would be able to use because it's like kind of being reborn maybe. Um, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. the term is new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem it's, well, for whatever reason, it just has this like tinge of like, just turns us off, I think. But I want to read a couple of these. He lists 21 of them. I want to read a couple of them um, that I just really like. And then uh, um, I want to hear your thoughts on them, Sonia. Um, So he says, the function of the new society is to encourage the emergence of a new man. 
beings whose character structure will exhibit the following qualities. Um, willingness to give up all forms of having in order to fully be. Um, hmm, what else do I want to read from here? Being fully present where one is. We talked about that a little bit. I wrote something about that. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, a joy that comes from giving and sharing and not pleasure from hoarding and exploiting. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really good one too. Love and respect for life in all its manifestations. Um, and in knowing uh, that not things, power, or the dead, but life and everything that pertains to its growth are what is sacred. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. yeah. So I comment on a couple I wanted to tell you. Yeah, about. yeah, go ahead. And the one that really, well, there's all of them. Obviously, I thought something about each of these. But the being fully present reminded me of meditation. Um, mm -hmm. I made it that or you know something equivalent to that where you're really being still um and i also thought the love and respect manifestation really sp spoke to me with like climate change also animal uh, rights activism you know yeah. affecting life even like even food like i know um you know being a vegan i'm not mm -hmm. saying everyone be a vegan but it's just moving towards more of um humane way that we're living so mm -hmm. that really was was one thing that i i just like i said i love that i think yeah. that having the first one i think that's a mm -hmm. challenging one that's yeah. one that we have to work on because we, we are so much in the mode of the having even yeah. shifting um to more being we're still kind of stuck in that that acquisition so that's going to be like a like like a long-term I guess yes. goal. Um, yeah. Obviously, the give sharing is essential. The not. I'm a big um, sort of minimal minimalist, so I like the not hoarding. <laughs> yes. You know, but but you know, again, with uh, I think that that comes with practice on the giving and sharing, mm -hmm. and I have to model that behavior around, say, children around other people, or be like we talked about being in an environment where that's the norm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe where at a holiday, even this time, one of the things you do is you go and you serve another family or you, you share with other people, but it becomes like a, a, a habit, not something like, oh, look what I'm, it just becomes part of a way of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I think um, incentives could do that. Incentives could help to do that for, mm -hmm. for some who don't understand the joy of that. And maybe that's how they get a taste of what that looks like and feels like. And then they're like, I don't need an incentive. I want to go help people. Right, right. You know, and I really like the idea. When I think of giving, too, I think a lot of times we're coming from a place of, okay, I'm going to do this one time. I'm going to feel better. I like the idea of establishing relationships. And so when you're giving, it's coming more mm. from a relationship place. And you're receiving mm. something from that, like the friendship of, you know, say if it's with a family or for an individual, instead of, oh, I'm just going to give and then I'm going to walk away. I really yeah. like the idea of establishing ties within the community. I think then the giving is coming more from a um, like an honest place. I don't know mm. if that makes sense. That's just kind of how I feel. Then it doesn't feel like something I have to do. It's more something you want to do. It becomes more of a way of life. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I think it's probably more satisfactory too because of the connection, the human connection that you get that goes along with it. Right. Right. That's excellent. So what, what struck you of those? I, I think my favorite one is making the full growth of oneself and one's fellow beings, the supreme goal of living. That's my oh, favorite wow. one. That's, that is a good one. Yes. Yes. There's so many good ones in there, but that, that is a very good one. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, this is such a, this is a very short chapter. Um, yeah. but very interesting to hear, um, obviously the thought process on how do we get there? Um, um, chapter nine talks more specifically about what, not the 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 new man or the being man um, is like, but what the society that's based around the being mode would look like. So mm -hmm. that that's the next chapter. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that's the last chapter. So to see how it how it ends. How it ends? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, he's awesome. You, he is just so timely. It's, it's been a lot of fun and I can't believe we're already through this whole thing, but, it, but it's amazing. I want to say to the audience, we, I feel rusty, but we're here, man. We're, we're really not going anywhere. <laughs> the key places were present. Yes. We're present. Yes. Here. <laughs> yes, we are present and we appreciate you guys listening we hope you enjoyed this um episode let us know what you're thinking how you're uh feeling about it any feedback we always want to hear um yeah and have a great holidays if you celebrate holidays if you don't celebrate holidays have a great regular day on december 25th <laughs> my um message to everyone is take care of yourself just you know put yourself uh give yourself that time out whatever you need to do self-care is always worth it and uh we appreciate you guys we um hope you have a great night and uh we'll be talking to you again soon